Hey everybody, it's Linnea again with Getting High with True Crime, uh, episode 25, um, or back when I was younger, this would be my quarter life crisis episode. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I am flying solo tonight, but uh, this should be a fairly simple episode to go through. Uh, we have uh, part four of the Lori Vallow um, doomsday mom whatever you want to call it saga it's um just uh what was it friday i believe it was friday or monday i'm losing my brain anyways recently they just held her sentencing trial um and so we get to hear how that went and how it turned out um, so let's just get right into it. So Lori's sentencing hearing was held on July 31st, 2023. So Monday, uh, the hearing consisted of victim impact statements, statements from both the prosecution as well as the defense. Even Lori herself gave a final cringeworthy statement. And when I mean cringeworthy, I mean, like, I don't think my eyes could roll any further back in my head than what they did as I listened to her speak. So that all happened before the judge gave his statement and handed down Lori's sentence. So let's break it down. <clears throat> Samantha Gwilliam, uh, Tammy Daybell's sister, gave the first victim impact statement. She first read about her father's statement as he was not present, and uh, to which he spoke about how through this whole ordeal, um, they lost relationships with their daughter's children. This whole thing completely tore their family apart. Samantha also addressed Lori. Uh, she explained that as she had learned about Chad's quick marriage to Lori shortly after her sister's passing, it only strengthened her suspicions around her sister's death. She talked about all the lies about Lori um, that Lori had said, her past, her kids, she, that they had been told. Uh, she spoke of how she had done her own research on Lori and that it was, that is how she discovered that everything they had been told was a lie, including how her previous husband had died. Lori said he died of a heart attack. <clears throat> Bullshit. Uh, she spoke out of how Lori and Chad had lied about the safety and whereabouts of Lori's children. She told Lori how she felt about the decisions Lori and Chad had made when divorce would have been the better choice. Samantha told Lori about how this had affected their fa entire family. She expressed how what Lori and Chad did directly affected the health of her mother to the point where her mother passed away. She closed by saying that making, uh, moving forward, sorry, um, after the hearing was over, that she would choose to forget Lori and that she, and to never think of her again. Which, I mean, that's going to be a hard thing to do, no matter what you, how hard you try. <clears throat> Next to speak was Tammy's aunt, Vicki Hoban. She told of the effects that the murder and trial had on their family how it completely tore them all apart, how they were so fractured as a family that there was never going to be another Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner where they would all be spent together. Kay Woodcock, JJ's biological grandmother, then spoke. She talked of the loss of her brother Charles. She called Lori a money-hungry monster. 
The remainder of her statement focused on the life of JJ and his sister Tylee. <clears throat> she finished her statement by expressing her concern that Lori was a danger to society. She also noted that Lori had not shown the slightest amount of remorse for the loss of her children. The final statement was submitted. Uh, sorry, it was a submitted statement from Tylee's older brother, Colby. Colby talked of how JJ and Tylee were never given the chance to grow into the people they intended to be. He talked about how his own children's aunt and uncle had been stolen from them. Colby said, and I quote, I've lost my entire family in life. I've lost my sister, brother, father, and mother. He concluded with prayers that all involved and affected would be able to heal. The, pro the prosecution next took their turn, and they spoke of the victims. They also pointed out the fact that within a year of Lori and Chad meeting, the four victims would be dead. They expressed their feelings that Lori was a danger to society, and as she was responsible for three of the murders in less than a six-week span. The prosecution then talked about the recommendations for sentencing, based on what they had seen of Lori during trial, acknowledging her complete lack of remorse and their belief that she could not be rehabilitated. The defense did their statement after a 30-minute recess. The defense talked about how there could be only healing uh, for everyone involved if there was peace and love. They stated that if people knew Lori as well as they had grown to know her over the course of the trial, they would know that love is the key was Lori's motto in life and that she was only about love. I'm trying not to gag right now, guys. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could. <sighs> Who kills her kids? But just brags that they're all about love. Anyways. So the defense continued saying that Lori was a good and caring mother that loved her children deeply. <clears throat> Again, trying not to gag. The, that she already had her life saved due to the fact that the death penalty had been taken off the table. They stressed that they felt that if Lori was able to serve her time and then get her parole, she would strive to be a better person. That she would be in her 70s, so what did the state have to lose? Lori was then given the opportunity to give a statement. So I actually recorded the video and audio for that. So I will play that here and now so you can hear it in her own words. And um, it only goes to prove how delusional and how affected her mental health is. So here, take a listen. Hmm. I would like to start by quoting John from the New Testament in the Bible. In John chapter 8, verse 7, Jesus says, He that is without sin among you, let him cast first cast a stone at her. Then in verse, verse 15, Jesus says, Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. Jesus knows me, and Jesus understands me. I mourn with all of you who mourn my children and Tammy. Jesus Christ knows the truth of what happened here. 
Jesus Christ knows that no one was murdered in this case. Accidental deaths happen. Suicides happen. Fatal side effects from medications happen. I have a different perspective in life because in 2002, when I was pregnant with Tylee, I died in the hospital while in labor with her. They tried to stop my labor. They put me on the table and they put something in my IV and I felt my spirit falling to the floor. I was standing near my pregnant body watching the doctors try to revive me, which took them a few minutes. In that time, my sister Stacy was standing to my left. I turned to hug her and was surprised that her spirit was as tangible as a physical body because I knew I was in spirit and she was in spirit. She said she needed to show me some things and we went to heaven. I later returned to my body. Because of this experience, I have access to heaven and the spirit world. Since then, I have had many communications from people now living in heaven, including my children, Tylee Ashland and Joshua Jackson, my sisters, Stacy and Lolly, my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents. I have had many communications with Jesus Christ, the savior of this world and our heavenly parents. I've had many angelic visitors have come and communicated with me and even manifested themselves to me. Because of these communications, I know for a fact that my children are happy and busy in the spirit world. Because of my communications with my friend, Tammy Daybell, I know that she is also very happy and extremely busy. I have always mourned the loss of my loved ones, and I have lost many in this mortal world. However, I know them more than most people. I know where they are. There's a little cut in the audio here, so I'll just skip ahead until we get to the right part. The heavenly realm. We chose to come to earth as mortals. Heaven is more wonderful than you can possibly imagine. I do not fear death, but I look forward to it. I do not, I did not want to return to my body when I was out of it. Even though my son Colby, who I adored more than anything, was only six years old at the time, and I was about to give birth to this new baby girl that I wanted so badly. <laughs> I was a young mother. And you would think I wouldn't want to leave my children. But as I stood in heaven, I did not want to go back. I thought they would be fine without me because I was peaceful and I was happy and I was home. But then I was told by Jesus that I needed to go back and complete things that I had covenanted or promised to do before I was born. This caused me a lot of distress because I knew heaven was my real home and I only wanted to be there. I was how I would help my children and others in the future. So ultimately I did agree to go back to my body. 
Kylie has visited me. She is happy and very busy. Kylie is free now from all the pains of her life. Kylie suffered horrible physical pain her whole life. I sat with Kylie in the hospital year after year after year while she screamed in pain when the morphine wasn't even enough to take away the pain of her pancreatitis. I sat there while she cried and I held back her hair while she threw up. And I am the only person on this earth who knows how much Tylee suffered in her life. She had pain every single day. She never felt good. Her body did not work right. And I don't know if that was from complications from me dying while she was being born or something else, but she had a very difficult life. She was sexually abused by her own biological father since she was three years old and she was forced by family court to go visit him for 10 years against her will. I fought for her in court. I protected her. I tried to protect her with my whole life. I tried to protect her. I worried about her every single day. Tylee had to get her GED because she couldn't go to school every day because she never felt good. She felt sick. Nobody knows this because Tylee, like myself, tries to put on a good front, tries to be a happy person, tries to have hope in life, tries to know that she's here for a purpose and that she has an eternal purpose to be on this earth. But I never stopped worrying about her. One of the times that Tylee came to me as a spirit after she died, she said, she commanded me and she said to me, stop worrying, mom, we are fine. She knows how I worry and how I miss her. The first time JJ visited me after he passed away, he put his arm around me and he said to me, you didn't do anything wrong, mom. I love you. And I know you loved me every minute of my life. JJ, Joshua Jackson, was an adult spirit. And he was very, very tall when he put his arm around me. He is busy, he is engaged, he has jobs that he does there and he is happy where he is. His life was short, but JJ's life was meaningful. JJ was a wonderful person and touched the lives of everyone. And I adored him every minute of his life. My eternal friend, Tammy Daybell, has visited me on several occasions. She came to bring me peace and comfort, and I know that she is extremely busy helping her family, especially her children and grandchildren, and I have a great love for Tammy. My beautiful children, Tylee Ashland and Joshua Jackson, Rest safely this day in the arms of Jesus. My wonderful friend, Tammy Daybell, rest safely this day in the arms of Jesus. And I look forward to the day when we are all reunited and I too will rest with them in the arms of my Jesus. All right, Ms. Fellow, thank you for your comments to the court. So... I 
No, I had a hard time taking any of that seriously. Like, you you can't just kill your kids and then be acting like everything's fine, everything's great, everything's happy, they're happy. No. It's frustrating. And I really hope that while she's in jail, she gets the mental health she needs. So, after Lori was given, or sorry, had given her statement, Judge Boyce asked Lori if she was happy with how uh, she had been represented by the defense, to which she said yes. After this, Judge Boyce handed down Lori's sentence. So, uh, he goes on. Um, now, Judge Boyce talked for approximately 33 minutes. Um, I'll do my best to summarize what he said. I do have the audio recording of that, but um, it's really long. <laughs> so I will just go through what I have. And then I do have a part here that actually goes on for a while, and it's a direct quote from him. So Judge Boyce first addressed the sentences for the murders, stressing how alarming it was that she went from no criminal record to murder charges this drastic. He talked about all the things he was would be considering as well as minimums set forth by the law. He addressed the fact that Lori's final statement concerned him, that it did not give him any confidence that if released, she would not do this again. He mentioned that Lori had refused to cooperate with the court when they tried to conduct an investigation to achieve uh, determining an LSI score, which um, I have somewhere what that is. Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Uh, let's see. <laughs> so an LSI is a checklist of 53 items that are scored in binary um, format by a trained assessor after conducting an intensive interview with the offender. So basically, it's a, an invest a small investigation um, to try and determine if um, somebody is um, at risk of offending again. So she didn't cooperate with that, so the judge couldn't even use that in his, what he used to determine her sentence. Uh, he said he would consider the facts that, uh, that until this, she had been a good mother, uh, that she spent a fair amount of time in jail, and during this time in jail, she had not caused any problems and had been, for lack of a better term, a model prisoner. And also that she had been respectful during court. Judge Boyce acknowledged that Lori has mental health issues, of which the following were identified. Uh, she has a delusional disorder mixed type with bizarre content and hyper-religiosity. Continuous and unspecified personality disorder with histor historianic and narcissistic features. Quite the complex diagnosis. He reviewed statements from her immediate family members even referencing the words of Lori's mother, who had said that Lori before then, uh, the Lori before them now, uh, was not the Lori that she had known. Judge Boyce stated that he believed that Chad Daybell was the catalyst that began to change Lori. 
He also talked about how normally in a situation where a person has had no previous criminal history, considerations and options may be available for a non-lengthy sentence, parole, etc. But for someone such as Lori, who had committed some of the most serious crimes, he did not see any of these as an option. So this is where it's going to be the long lengthy part. Um, Judge Boyce said the following, and I quote, Murder is the most serious offense. And the most unintelligible type of murder is of a mother murdering her own children. And that's exactly what you did. You were guilty and involved in conspiring to commit murder. Uh, another group of children's mother, Tammy Daybell, who had children of her own. And despite the jury convicting you with overwhelming evidence, you still sit here before the court today and say you didn't do it. You came here to East Idaho, where I've spent my life, and moved here from another place already with plans and progress to make your children disappear. The evidence bore that out at trial. You moved your children from their home in Arizona, alienated them from friends and family, got rid of JJ's service dog. You moved to Rexburg, where you could find a thousand random families to take your children, and you brought them here to murder them. You have so many other options. You could have gotten divorced. You could have found someone to take care of those kids. That is the state uh, That is the state was able to prove at trial. You chose the most evil and destructive path possible. You killed those children according to the state's theory, and I believe it, to remove them as obstacles and to profit financially. You justified all of this by going down a bizarre religious rabbit hole. Clearly, you are still down there. While you were enjoying your new life in Hawaii, countless law enforcement officers and family members and volunteers were searching for your children. And I don't think to this day you have any remorse for the effort and heartache you caused. Others looked for your children when you knew where they were and knew they were dead. They were found dead, burned, mutilated, and dismembered, and buried like animals. After you knew they were dead, you collected public funds... Uh, yeah, public funded assistance payments meant for them. And that was blood money you kept for yourself. And that's the grand theft charge you've been convicted of. Your sister, your son talked to you, begged with you while you were in the jail during phone calls. I heard at the trial, and those were sad and very difficult calls to hear. And you didn't provide any assistance or comfort to them. During the trial, when the evidence came out about how these children were found and the state they were in, you wanted to be excused and not have to watch the evidence, and were fine to let all the other people in the courtroom, including the jurors, have to bear through that. However, I ruled that you did have to sit and watch and see the result of your heinous crimes. The jurors in your case fulfilled their duty admirably. All 18 jurors... We had, as we had alternates, went through the entire trial and faithfully fulfilled all their obligations and all their instructions so you were able to get impartial jurors who weren't already tainted by pre-trial publicity to decide your case. And I do thank the jurors publicly for the service they rendered. Those jurors, I noted during the trial, were very good at keeping their emotions in check and keeping stone-faced, as they were supposed to do, and stay objective until the case is done and submitted. However, I did note at certain times during the trial, such as when there were videos and pictures shown of you in Hawaii, at this time frame, when Tylee and JJ were lying in shallow graves, the disgust on the faces of those jurors was evident. 
and shocking revelations about what happened here just kept coming through the trial. The crime scene was horrific, uh, was a horrific thing to have to review. And there are images I will never get out of my mind. And I am just looking at the pictures. Law enforcement officers have had to deal with the aftermath of what you did. I'm sure we're traumatized. I know it was trauma traumatic as well for the jurors who had to sit through and see the photographs of these dead, mutilated, and buried children. For those people who loved and cared about JJ and Tylee and Tammy Daybell, to have to see those photographs of them through trial, their dead and desecrated bodies must have been devastating. Tammy Daybell was murdered as a result of your conspiracy. She was all by all accounts, a healthy, happy mother and wife for a lot of her life, and you were out shopping for wedding rings to marry her husband while she was still alive. You were planning a wedding to her husband while she was still alive. You haven't shown any remorse for any of these actions, and she ended up being murdered, buried, and had to be disinterred later so an autopsy could be performed in order to prove the evidence of what you had done. She didn't deserve any of that. You took her life away, you destroyed that family, you fractured it to the point where, in the information I have had through the PSI, there, there are relationships that probably will never be mended that have rippled as a result of what has happened. JJ and Tylee, of course, 7 years old, 16 years old, were separate people whose lives were cut way too short. Because of you. Never got to grow up and be adults. The family and friends who have provided their impact statements have stated it better than I could about who they were, and it is a loss to everyone that you took them away from this world. And it is the most shocking thing I can really imagine is that a mother killed her own children, and you simply have no remorse for it. Even sitting here today, there is no remorse for what you did. After all the ev this evidence through the trial, you haven't shown any remorse. You haven't said you were sorry. You haven't done anything to seek leniency from this court. There's been a lot of people during trial and here who have explained the devastation you are responsible for, and you forever altered the lives, not in a good way, for many, many people. Destroying family relationships, taking people away that were loved and cared for and needed, you may not believe to this day that you have done anything wrong, and you may think you are justified by your religious beliefs for what happened here. I'm not here to judge that, but I don't believe that any god in any religion would want to have this happen, uh, what happened here. And your crimes are heinous and egregious, and that alone constitutes a major allegating factor that requires me to impose serious length of incarceration. So weighing, after weighing all those factors, I need to, in aggravation, the sentences I'm about to impose will serve the interest of justice by preventing you from ever doing this again, that they will not depreciate the seriousness of the crimes, they will punish you appropriately, and will deter, deter both you and others. So that concludes the mitigating factors the court has considered. After this judge, boy, okay, so that's the end of his quote part, sorry. After this judge, Boyce declared he was prepared to pass sentence. The defense team and Lori stood up to accept the sentence. He addressed the murder charges first. He declared on all murder charges that Lori would receive life in prison with no chance of parole. The conspiracy to commit charges, uh, sorry, to commit uh, murder charges was held to the same standard as the murder charges themselves. Lori was given life in prison with no chance of parole. 
So with that, there's the three separate murder charges. So JJ, Tylee, Tammy. And then they were also charging her with conspiracy to commit murder on JJ, Tylee, Tammy. The charges of grand theft, uh, Lori was given five years of prison on each count for a total of 10 years. So, because she was receiving, she was cashing and keeping the money from the checks for JJ and the checks for Tylee. Judge Boyce then talked about his decision process for whether Lori would serve these sentences concurrently or consecutively. Now, uh, for those of you who are not sure what that means, concurrently means together at the same time. So she would serve all the life sentences at the same time. And when they were done, they would all be done or consecutively one after the other. He explained that because there were three separate murders of three separate people at three separate times, there would be an injustice for Lori uh, to be allowed to serve them concurrently. So with that, and what I like to take as a subtle, you know, fuck you, um, he passed judgment that the sentences for murder, for the murder charges would be served consecutively, one after the other. On top of this, Lori was fined $25,000 per charge except the grand theft charge, uh, to which uh, she was also fined $5,000 per victim as a civil penalty. Plus, the state was awarded restitution for the $22,545 that Lori stole. This totaled $187,545. Judge Boyce did allow for the grand theft sentence to be served concurrently alongside the murder charge sentence. So that would go alongside. He then made sure the defense and prosecution didn't have any questions regarding the sentences, to which they did not. He then informed Lori as to her rights to appeal and the deadlines uh, for each type of appeal. And with that, Judge Boyce stood and left the courtroom. And like even after all that, even being handed those sentences, Lori still, it, it didn't even really seem to affect her. She showed no remorse. She didn't cry about it. Nothing. It was just like complete emotionless. Like she wasn't even there. So when I wrote this out, I was trying to think of like, cause I always usually I'll write who the case is about either like the criminal themselves or the victim. And then I'll usually write like a little subtitle. And so this one, I called it Lori Vallow part four sentencing a monster. Cause that is what I truly think she is. She is a horrible person who manipulated all the people around her who she called her friends to try and help her hide the fact that these kids were gone. She flat out lied over and over and over again before this even happened. And she believed every little lie that she was telling everyone. She believed she was a god. She believed she was a good mother. And maybe at one point she was a good mother. But a good mother doesn't kill her children. A good mother doesn't go shopping and planning for a wedding to a, ma a married man before his wife is gone. So, this chapter of this story is closed. 
and this case is over and there's still people out there hurting and will always be hurting because of the loss of these three beautiful people. We should also acknowledge that the loss of Charles, because he did seem like a good man from what I could tell. So, that being said, I hope that we don't hear of another case like this. This was a hard one to follow from the beginning because I remember it when it first came out in the news when there were first calls out to try and find these children and then as it played out it just got worse and worse and worse and worse so hopefully we don't see something like this for a long time and to Lori Vallow you suck (laughs) I don't know what else to say other than like get fucked you are an asshole delusional narcissistic asshole so what else do I have to talk about well I can tell you right now I have the exciting announcement we reach 1000 downloads very happy and we are very grateful for all the support and all the love that you guys as listeners have shown us um we've reached 23 countries across the world which is freaking impressive i honestly never expected it to leave canada so thank you again to everyone um so in celebration of reaching 1000 downloads we are doing a giveaway on our facebook page for right now it is it's kind of like obviously a 420 related kit um but i will have a non 420 kit available should whoever wins the giveaway um maybe not be into the 420 stuff and is more just here for the weirdness of me and melissa and the true crime factor but in the kit there is a bong cleaning kit it's really kind of cool it's got a bunch of stuff Uh, There's also a nice green glass pipe that's really cool. I have a purple one of the same one and I really love it. And then we also have a nice glass stash jar and also a glass uh, blunt and it's got the plunger thing so it pushes out all the burnt stuff so it's easier for cleaning. Yeah, so that's the first little part of it. And of course, you know, when I package it all up and go to send it away to the winner, I'll probably throw in a bunch of stickers and, you know, I have pins. So we'll throw some of those in there too for them. So again, I would love to thank every one of you on behalf of me and Melissa um, saying thank you for the 1000. And we can't wait to see how this goes and keep this going on from here because we've been enjoying this. We've been having fun and that's the whole point of this whole thing, just to kind of talk and discuss and share what we find interesting. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight because it's really late (laughs) and I have work tomorrow. Um, But yeah, so have a good night, everyone. Hug your children. Give them lots of hugs and kisses. And as always, stay lifted. Good night.